0: section 10 soul scrolls what i heard first the next morning was a scream and a crash cora dropping the breakfast tray it woke me up i was still half in the cupboard head on the bundle cloak i must have pulled it off the hanger and gone to sleep there for a moment i couldn't remember where i was cora was kneeling beside me i felt her hand touch my back she screamed again when i moved what's wrong i said i rolled over pushing myself up Oh, she said, I thought. Hello, I'm Shane, and this is The Writer's Apprentice, a podcast where we learn from reading the works of smart authors. I've picked on a number of parts of the tale so far, from the lack of forward progressing plot, to the writing sore choices, but none of those make this a bad book. An author's aim is usually to tell a truth to get people thinking, providing some entertainment along the way, and hopefully have the story earn enough to pay off a few mortgage payments. We even talked about how the style of story helps translate the book into other mediums, like stage and television, with a slightly cynical note. But by all those metrics, Atwood has knocked her objectives out of the park. The story is enjoyed by a huge number of people, and it has been incredibly influential to the way people think. For me to say that this is a bad book would be ridiculous. 372 pages, will never get back, is a podcast by Conor Lastoka and Michael J. Nielsen, where they quite harshly criticise Ernest Cline's Ready Player One for comedic effect. For what it's worth, The Handmaid's Tale is only 314 pages, and I hope I've not been as cruel to it as Lastoka and Lelson are about their book. From what I've heard of the podcast so far, they have some valid gripes about their subject book. I spoke in a previous episode about how an author can sometimes step too much into their story, to the point where it breaks the immersion. Klein apparently does this very early on in the book, where he goes on a somewhat jarring, atheistic rant, apropos of very little. There are other times where Klein describes a person as looking like another famous person, not by describing their features, but by literally calling on that person's name. This is a truly lazy writing technique, which robs the reader of their imagination. They have other issues with the book which are entirely down to genre, though. One particular critique is around the reading level of the language used, the sentences are simple, often quite shallow, and tend towards cliché where there's not much in the way of provocative thought. This style is very common in young adult fiction. It's a comfortable rebellion against the hard work teachers push on their students to decipher cryptic meanings in Caroline Duffy poems. I don't mean to say that all YA is exclusively sloppy writing. Genres are just arbitrary labels defined just as much by their exceptions as their parts but the style does serve a purpose. Criticising stylistic choices against the scoreboard of another genre is like being upset when your fish slice is doing a crappy job at ladling your soup. To give a quick defence of the podcast, they are doing it for entertainment purposes. Expecting genuine criticism is similarly creating a mismatch of expectations. This is especially okay as they're punching up with their jokes. Klein might feel a little bit slighted, but I'm sure he'll get over it with his mountains of cash the book has made him one of a number of clear indications of his success. I'm not sure what other books they move on to, but I hope they continue to only punch up. Atwood will tell anyone that asks her that the genre she was shooting for was speculative fiction, however that label hasn't quite made it to Waterstones' shelves just yet. Instead, you'll find the book under the science fiction section, or more specifically, dystopian fiction alongside 1984 and DoAndroid's Dream. Each of these stories share a few traits of this genre. The stories are set in the future, where real-life society still overlaps a little with ours. There are new social structures, which are quite rigid, language is controlled, and slipping up betrays your allegiances. Another is the mental state of the protagonist. The new regimes toy with and twist the world of both Deckard and Winston until, by the end of their books, they're both well past any point of sanity. Even if they've managed to draw a correct conclusion about the world around them, they're no longer able to do anything about it, or have any conviction to do anything with it. Whilst Deckard and Winston are far more active than Offred, they have just as much control over their lives. Offred has no choice in the risks that she's taking. Refusing the commander's out-of-line propositions would be just as dangerous as taking him up on them. The magazine the commander offers her to read has been chosen for her, despite the range that she used to enjoy. But she reads it just as eagerly. She says it herself, in fact. A rat in a maze is free to go anywhere, so long as they stay within the maze. The lack of forward drive that I'm frustrated with may well just be a sign of the dystopian genre. The main character does not propel themselves forwards. Their role in society usually does that. Even Winston, who we think is being highly risky, ultimately leaves us questioning which choices of his were made for him. In the end, they end up exactly where the system wants them to be. Atwood has never suggested that her books fit into the genre of feminism. Feminism isn't something I can speak confidently on, but there are many people who have written about Atwood's relationship with it. Margaret Atwood by Carol Ann Hells is a conversation where they dive into this to name just one of the many places where you should look for that content. In conversations with Earl G. Ingleson, she said, some people choose to define themselves as feminist authors. I would not deny the adjective, but I don't consider it inclusive. Here, I believe that she means that her work focuses on other things outside the generationally fluid definition of feminism, and she doesn't want to be tied to those sets of ideals to the exclusion of others in her writing. I have another quote of hers from that same conversation, this time with Jeff Hancock. Though I don't have access to the source, so I'm not sure what provoked her response. I may be overly cynical here, and I'm sure Mr. Hancock, an editor of the Canadian Fiction magazine, would have better tact. But it feels like whatever his question was, Atwood understood it as, You only write about women. Do you hate men? This must be a rather boring question for her, which she's thought about many times and had to answer even more. She ended up answering rather well. Never a story have I set about miners in the mines, seamen on the sea, or convicts in jail. Hey come? Well, gee, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a woman and therefore find it easier to write as one? Few male writers write all their books in the female point of view. That doesn't mean they hate women. Regardless of how she feels about being labelled with the genre, she's perhaps the world's most famous feminist author, and The Handmaid's Tale is at the top of many reading lists for those interested in the topic. The feminist genre isn't one I'm well read in, and I had to look up to see what particular tropes come in these books. All genres are arbitrary and made up, but across the few sources I found, they all agree on the following as requisites. First, a female protagonist. Second, awareness and understanding of the female body. Third, exploration of how women are treated differently because of their gender. And fourth, a closer examination of how the psychology of a woman is impacted by those differences and their treatment whilst the author may not prefer to be explicitly put into that category the book certainly ticks many of those boxes these stories often tend towards being more internalized the events happening go expressed through the interpretation of the subject rather than by a detailed narrative this more cerebral point of view is expressed well by the stream of consciousness we hear from Offred. And it's that style that this genre tends towards, slower paced introspection. What better way to show that the main character feels locked inside their own body, as if they were tethered to it, rather than it being a mode of mobility that we all generally take advantage of. My eagerness for action from our main character may be guiding me to miss the point entirely. The choices I'm hoping she makes are antithetical to the kind of story she finds herself in. The point I made earlier, was that a novel hopes to tell a truth of some kind. Without a doubt, this is the truth that half the population on Earth need to be aware of. By picking up this book and expecting it to be a nail-biting escape from colditz, and then being upset when it wasn't, I started judging the book by a metric it never promised to achieve. Hello everyone, me again. Thank you again so much for listening. I also want to especially thank my Patreons this week. Um, one in particular... It's always very exciting when I see my other friends who have writing projects like this and they're on Patreon and they release their content originally on Patreon first with like a week head start because they get a ton of comments and feedback from their patrons. And I had that for the first time with the last episode and the feedback I got from uh, some friends over there was fantastic. So thank you very much to the people who back me on Patreon. It really does mean a whole bunch Uh, So if you would also like to go help catch problems with episodes, you can jump over to the Patreon and hear it first and then let me know. The podcast recommendation this week is um, a podcast called Writing Excuses. It is a uh, a quite a long-running podcast full of writing advice. Um, The key author that I know from it is Brandon Sanderson. And uh, it's basically a a writer's roundtable where they have a few writers, they pick a topic and they just give their their thoughts on that topic. So previous topics have talked about the difference between heroes and protagonists, which I thought was really interesting, given our conversations about Offred and where she fits into this role. Uh, all the episodes are around 15 minutes, so around the same ep- episode length as this. So if you want more content around this length, then uh, writing excuses is definitely for you. I'm definitely running out of... Uh, podcast ideas so if you come across any writing podcast which you think might fit well with being recommended here please do send them across to me um i'd love to listen to them first of all but also it would help out and give me something to point to here with that though i shall see you next time have a lovely day